Well, hey, everybody, I'm in New York State Apple, and I'm glad to be here to, uh, to help you go fall asleep tonight. Uh, pleased to meet you. In my name, you'll be finding out soon. Old Scoots asked me to come by and talk to you about apples, uh, not just uh, any apples, New York State apples, uh, because that's the kind of apple uh, Scoots grew up with. And he said, man, I missed apple picking season. And I said, frowny apple face, uh, you did, Scoots. Uh, and he said, well, maybe I can make it up to you, apples. Uh, and then he said, uh, tried to make a few different jokes about being us apples being the apple of his eye. But really, you listeners, you're the apple of his eye. And you might say, well, you don't sound like a New York State apple to me. And I'd say, well, I just had a glass of Country Time lemonade, and that's why I sound this way. But let's talk about apples in general, and then I'm going to take you on a, you know, we'll see where this goes. Because uh, Scoots, he loves, he said, hey, let's talk apples and see how it goes. That's the sleep with me. Uh, so he said, start with some basics uh, over at Wikipedia. The apple uh, is uh, Malus pumilia, uh, erroneously called Malus domestica. It's a deciduous tree related to the rose family. And it's best known for its uh, me, its sweet, pomaceous fruit, bodacious and pomaceous, the apple. Uh, worldwide, and we're the most widely grown species in the genus Malice. And Malice does not stand for bad, to my knowledge. Uh, originated in Central Asia. A wild ancestor, Malice uh, Severci. Uh, and you can still find us there today. Uh, but we've been grown for thousands of years in Asia and Europe and brought to North America by Europeans. And, oh boy, are we big in mythology. You probably already know that, though. And, you know, apple trees. Uh, John, there's once a tall tale about Johnny Appleseed, and apple trees can grow large uh, if grown from seed. But nowadays, uh, where cultivars are propagated by grafting rootstocks, uh, to control the size of the resulting tree. And there's about 7,500 known cultivars of apples ranging uh, in desired, you know, by what, what do you want out of your apples? Uh, uh, various uh, tastes, taste and use, uh, cooking, eating raw, and cider production. And, you know, we, get, we deal with things in organic and non-organic means. And, you know, they just started recently tweaking with our genomes, and uh, we'll skip over that. You know, we can be from 1.8 to 4.6 meters tall. That's 6 to 15 feet to you in the U.S. of in New York State and the rest of the U.S. Uh, 36 feet, 12 meters in the wild. And we blossom in the spring simultaneously with the budding of our leaves and... Uh, you know, we got spurs and long shoots, uh, beautiful flowers, if you don't mind me saying, five-petaled with an inflorescence uh, with a cyme of four to six flowers. The central flower of our inflorescence is called the king bloom. It opens first and can develop a larger fruit. And our fruit, my partners and I, uh, we mature in late autumn, late summer or autumn. And most commercial growers, they shoot for an apple at 7 to 8 centimeters uh, in diameter. 
uh, 2.75 to 3.2 inches. Uh, and some people, they like their apples big. Some people like them small. And, uh, you, you know, the apple business is a finicky. You apple eaters are finicky folks, and that's a good thing because it keeps, uh, keeps the apple growers on our toes. Me, I'm just living my life. Now you say, how did you get to be a representative of the New York State apples? And I'd say, well... Apples are one of nature's miracles, uh, so why don't you just go ask Mother Nature? Also, uh, I'm a friend of Bernie the Butterflies, but he won't be appearing on this episode. Now, we talked about our wild ancestors. We'll skip over my genome, you know, our genome. uh, And uh, you could check out Wikipedia for history in Germanic paganism, paganism, uh, Greek mythology, Christian art, uh, you could look up our 7,500 known cultivars, and you could read about all the places in the world they're grafting us and, and planting us and uh, letting us grow. You know, you might if you're looking for a nice word, though, it's rootstock. Uh, that's the bottom of the graft uh, yeah, that used to produce a wide variety of trees and... Uh, yeah. Now, I'll tell you what, uh, even in New York State, we got great love uh, for the Excelsior Experiment Station at the University of Minnesota. And uh, I think they might be the golden go- gophers, but to us, uh, they're the uh, a- apples of our eyes, us apples. Uh, uh, but of course, you want, you know, you that like those R rated movies, you want to get to the good stuff. And uh, that's pollination. I know uh, apples were self incompatible. Uh, so we must uh, cross-pollinate to develop fruit. Uh, so it's not easy. You know, it's just not as easy out there in the wild as you would think. Uh, and, you know, we need pollinators. And, you know, who pollinates? Uh, honeybees uh, in particular. There's orchard mason bees. Uh, they can be supplemental pollinators. But, uh, you know, we got to get some more bumblebee queens. So keep an eye on those bees uh, because we need them. Apples, uh Unlike uh, the creator of this podcast, we can't self-pollinate. Uh, boom Now, you want to talk about uh, maturation and harvest. Uh, we get the biggest uh, when we're uh, grown on the same root sack as our tree. Uh, and, you know, we can get, our trees can get very large. Uh, and it depends on the density, obviously, you know, how much, uh, we're, you know, what water and uh, nutrition we're getting. But, you know, typically a mature tree can uh, go anywhere from 40 to 200 kilograms. Uh, that's 88 to 441 pounds. And that's uh, each year. But some years it's zero, you know, when it's a tough year. You know, we sometimes we just know when the tree needs a break. Uh, and you've probably seen the apples, uh, the special apple ladders. Those are three-point ladders that are made to fit among the branches and... Uh, you probably have gone. You may have gone apple picking. You may not have. I'll tell you what. Next year, pick an apple. We we kind of like it. Uh, uh, spread. But hey, do us a favor. Spread our seeds around uh, and support. You know your local grower. Or if you can't do that, you know find the place with the most nostalgia, and maybe pick yourself up a caramel apple. You deserve it. Uh, now, how about storing apples? Well, we like to do, we can last us some months in a controlled atmosphere chamber uh, with delayed uh, uh, ripening. 
And, you know, we could use some higher concentrations of carbon dioxide and some higher air filtration, uh, balance out that ethylene, uh, that, uh, that gets us ripe, uh, and then when you take us out of storage, our ripening will continue. Now, if you got us at home, you know, that's an argument because the guy that makes this podcast, he keeps apples in his fridge for a long time. But most people take about two weeks uh, in the coolest part of the refrigerator. Like Granny Smith's and Fuji's, uh, maybe those are the ones the podcast guy keeps in his fridge because uh, they last a lot longer. But I'm neither of those. So there's a little hint of my name is neither Granny Smith nor Fuji. Now, we'll skip over these pests, but I'll just tell you three of the biggest ones. Mildew, uh, aphids, and uh, the old apple scab. You might say, where you know, here in the U.S. of A., uh, we make the most apples. And I have to be afraid to disagree with you by a lot. Uh, uh, China produces uh, 48% of the world's apples. Uh, but you do in the U.S. Uh, like uh, produce about 5.2 million tons. Uh, China, about almost 41 million tons. And coming in third is Poland at 3.2 million. Yeah, then Turkey at 2.5, and Italy at 2.5 million tons. We might say is an apple a day keep you know keep good things coming or what? Well, I'll tell you what, apple a day should probably make you say yay. Uh, a typical apple serving, according to this uh, Wikipedia article, two hundred forty-two grams of uh, is how much it weighs. One hundred twenty-six calories and uh, you know moderate amount of dietary fiber, and you know just some trace uh, nutrients and vitamins and elements. Nothing major. Yeah, but uh, you know it's got that it's got that crunch. It's got a little sugar in there, and uh, you know there's plenty of ways to eat an apple. But you, hey, hey, you know what? Before you say we, we don't have anything, we do have a rich source of phytochemicals, including flavonoids uh, and other phenolic compounds uh, in our skin core and pulp uh, that may have unknown health benefits. Uh, and those phenolic compounds, including uh, polyphenol oxidase, are the driving force behind why apples turn brown. Uh, so, that, you know, that's a good, interesting thing. So you could keep an eye out for that. And then the proverb, uh, an apple a day keeps the doctor away, uh, dates all the way from 19th century Wales, according to Caroline Taggart, the author of An Apple a Day and Old Fashioned Proverbs and Why They Still Work. Uh, the original phrase, quoting Wikipedia, quoting Taggart, says, Eating an apple on going to bed, you'll keep the doctor from earning his bread. And then in the 19th and 20th century, it was changed to an apple a day, no doctor to pay, or an apple a day sends the doctor away. Uh, going back to the phrasing we have now in 1822, but you might say, uh, what's your name again? And I'll say, well, I'll give you some more hints over at... Uh, NewYorkAppleCountry.com, where you could start planning your 2018 leaf peeping and apple picking tours. Because uh, the apple varieties in New York State are right on here. And I don't know if you know this, but uh, New York grows uh, more apple varieties than any other state. Nearly 700 growers, uh, 10 million plus trees. Uh, we produce enough apples to bake 500 million apple pies. And, uh, 
You got a lot of great choices for eating, snacking, baking, cooking, sauces, and desserts. Uh, so let's run through some apples, and you can see if you can guess my name. Uh, 20 ounce, uh, AC Mac, uh, Brayburn, Cameo. You're going to hear a lot of these famous uh, people. Uh, you know, they've been uh, Cortland, Crispin. I mean, how many famous people we already been down? Empire. We got, uh, let's see, we got an Empire TV show, Crispin Glover, Cortland's a great city, been famous, cameo, famous singer, Brayburn, I think that's, uh, was a president one time. AC Max got a new album out with 20 Mounts, uh, so there you go for those ones. And Fortune, that's another one, uh, Fortune Favors the Bold. Uh, Fortune's crisp with a spicy flavor, I forgot, I'm sorry everybody, Empire is sweet, tart, and juicy. Uh, Crispin, sweet and very juicy. Cortland, sweet, juicy, and tender. Oh, boy. Uh, Cameo, tart, sweet, and crispy. Brayburn, sweet, tangy, and juicy. AC Mac, uh, sweet, tart, and juicy. And 20 ounces, firm, juicy, and tart. Uh, and where we leave off? Oh, Fuji, another famous one. It's very sweet and very juicy. Gala or Gala, uh, sweet, juicy, and crisp. Uh, ginger Gold. Uh, I think there's more than 500 songs written about the Ginger Gold apple. And it's uh, sweet and mildly tart. Uh, golden Delicious, mild and sweet and juicy. Honey Crisp. Uh, yeah, my name's not Honey Crisp, but I may have uh, called a few people in my life Honey Crisp. Uh, sweet, dark, dark, tart, and crisp. Now, this one's one word, so don't get tricked. I'd read. Uh, that's somewhere I'd read. Uh, uh, juicy, tart, and firm. Uh, Jersey Mac, uh, another uh, famous, uh, famous singer. Tr- sweet, tart, and juicy. Uh, this one's another uh, one word or Jonah Gold, uh, honey sweet and juicy, Jonah Mac, uh, firm and sweet. Uh, McCoon, McCone, I'm not sure of that one. Never met this apple before. Extra sweet and tender, though. Macintosh, uh, sweet and tangy. Uh, Paul Red, uh, tart, juicy, and crisp. Uh, Red Delicious, that's a famous apple. Uh, Overrated, no offense, but a sweet, juicy, and crisp. Uh, Rome, Rome, if you want to, uh, mild, mildly tart and firm. And the rest of them are uh, trademark names, which confuses me as an apple because I say, uh, What the heck is that? Uh, so that's over at NewYorkAppleCountry.com. And let's, bu- let's bust out some. Uh, uh, facts here. New York really is the big apple. Uh, only the second largest apple producing state in the country. Only Washington produces more apples than the Empire State. Uh, and Michigan ranks third with uh, Pennsylvania and California rounding out the top five. And if you're doing a report, this is uh, NewYorkAppleCountry.com and they actually have the primary sources listed. Uh, New York produces 29.5 million bushels of uh, apples annually. And just so you know, when you're planting your uh, leaf peeping, uh, there's a branch of uh, apples in 41,000 acres, uh, six major production districts around the entire state. Uh, Champlain, Va- Champa- Champlain Valley, 
eastern Hudson Valley, western Hudson Valley, central New York. Uh, that's where Scooter and I are from. Uh, Lake Country and the Niagara Frontier. And the top uh, 10 apple-growing counties are Wayne, Ulster, Orleans, and Niagara, Clinton, Columbia, Monroe, Orange, Onondaga, and Dutchess. Now, how, about, how, about, how many growers are there? There's 694 commercial apple growers in New York State. What do you say we get that to 700 in 20, 2018? And how about jobs? How about industry? Uh, Governor, uh, 10,000 direct agricultural jobs, uh, 7,500 indirect jobs uh, involved with the industry, and a thousand other, thousands of other indirect jobs with uh, supplies and equipment. And on the average, uh, 13.25 million bushels uh, are sold as fresh market fruit. That's 53% of the uh, production. And the remainder, which is 11.75 million, is processed into juice, cider, and canned products, including uh, sauce, uh, slices, and pie filling, uh, and other processed apple products. And you might even say, who are, you know, David Letterman was from New York and he had a top 10 list, uh, top 10 apples, uh, varieties of varietals uh, in New York State are Macintosh, Empire, Red Delicious, Cortland, uh, Golden Delicious, Rome, Out of Red, Crispin, Paula Red, and Gala. And I don't know if you caught that, who number one was, but I'd please meet you. I am the number one uh, or the number 10 varietal, depending on what list you're looking at. Uh, I'm, I'm Macintosh. I'm Macintosh Apple. Pleased to meet you. Uh, but you, you might have some more questions. Uh, now, some of you might be asking, why do apples wax? And we're waxed uh, to maintain freshness and make us look better. And that's a natural wax uh that's washed off at the packing house, uh, food-grade wax. And sometimes we get a milky film on us uh, when the food-grade wax coating uh, gets exposed to condensation or moisture. And you can just wash that off with plain water. And you might say, you know what, those Rome apples, uh, sometimes they have a deep red pigmentation and uh, uh, sometimes they have red streaks right in the flesh, uh, and, yeah, sometimes uh, we're so bright red, uh, our pigmentation leaks right into the white flesh of the apple. Yeah, but that's uh, that's uh, that's totally normal stuff. Uh, now, you already know that we're a member of the rose family of plants, along with uh, pears, peaches, plums, and cherries. Uh, I don't know if that makes us all stone fruits or not, uh, but the science of apple growing is called pomology. And, you know, we come in red, green, and yellow, all shades. Uh, we're still picked by hand. And Americans eat more apples per capita than any other uh, fruit. Uh, in 2012, 13, uh, 15.9 pounds of uh, fresh apples uh, and uh, 29.4 pounds of processed apples uh, for a total of 44.3 pounds. Uh, now you might say, what about the world's largest apple peel? Well, that was created by Kathy Waffler in Madison 
October 16, uh, 1976, Rochester, New York. Uh, Kathy Waffler Madison, uh, excuse me. And that apple peel was 172 feet, uh, four inches long. And she was only 16 years uh, old at the time, but she grew up to be a sales manager, manager for Apple Tree Nursery. Did you know it takes 33 apples to create one gallon of apple cider? 25% of my volume is air, and that's why I float if you're bobbing for apples. Uh, apples are grown in 36 uh, states, uh, about 80 calories an apple, uh, 5 grams of fiber, including pectin, which is a soluble fiber. Uh, most apple blossoms are pink when they open. They gradually transition to white. Uh, and you might say, well, why don't so many cold states grow apples? Because we can be grown further north than any other fruit trees because we bloom in the late spring, minimizing the chance of frost damage. And here's a fact to lay on you. It takes energy from 50 leaves uh, to produce one apple. We're solar-powered, uh, us apples here. We're the second most valuable fruit grown in the United States after oranges. Uh, 1998 was our boom year. Uh, 277.3 million bushels were harvested. And uh, Newton Pippin apples were the first ones exported from America, and they were sent to Benjamin Franklin in London, 1768. Uh, The first apple nursery was in uh, Flushing, New York in 1730. Uh, George Washington loved pruning apple trees. And a peck of apples weighs 10.5 pounds. A bushel of apples weighs 42 pounds and will yield uh, 20 to 24 quarts of applesauce. So you might say, uh, hey, Macintosh, and hey, by the way, you can call me Mac. Uh, you, could, you don't need to call me Big Mac. Just call me Mac. Uh, or, you know, I'd like us to be friends, because uh, just like I'm friends with old Scoots. Uh, once upon a time, he was a little Andy. And every once in a while, not, not a, I'm not sure if he went every year, uh, little Andy would head out to an apple orchard with his family and he would pick some apples, and and I observed him. Uh, and you might say, "Well, Macintosh, if you're just not," and I'd say, uh, do, "Don't overthink it. Uh, my root stack runs deep, and uh, uh, you know, maybe you know, maybe uh, understanding the Mac. Maybe I'm one Macintosh, and maybe I'm all, and maybe I'm both." And you might say, "Hold on, Mac. So you're saying you're collective?" And I'd say, "No, no, no. I'm just saying I'm just here to talk to you about apples, and not about science." And uh, I thought even Scoot said, "No, uh, no existentialism at bedtime." But where Scoots and his family would go uh, was an apple orchard called Beacon Skiff. That uh, the Boltley Boltley's company should be paying him, I guess, uh, New York apples and this uh, orchard. But, it, you know, it's not anywhere near he, where he lives, so he don't mind none, none. And Beacon Skiff's been around since 1911. Uh, and little Andy would go out there and pick some apples. Maybe we'll go uh, look at some apples in a bit. Uh, but it was an orchard uh, in 1911 when George Skiff, an onion farmer, uh, uh, from Syracuse, uh, met uh, Andrew Beak, a dairy farmer, and they met at one of those farmers' markets where you and all your neighbors go. 
And they said, let's let's get in this, let's join forces and get in this Apple business. Uh, and out here on Route 20, yeah, where we're at right now, uh, at least in your imagination, Lafayette, New York, uh, they found the perfect condition for growing apples, and they started right that very year. And by 1920, uh, in the 20s and 30s, they had a wholesale business uh, selling apples to grocery stores like Victory, uh, A&P, and small local grocers. Now, 1937, those 30s, they were a tough time. Uh, we had a drought, uh, and uh, we couldn't, you know, we couldn't grow apples that year. It was a tough year, and it didn't stop then. Uh, 1945, we had a big freeze, and uh, that was in late spring. No more apple, no apples that year. And then in 1949, we tried smoke, uh, uh, smudge pots, they call them, on cold spring mornings uh, to fight off the frost. And uh, ever since then, we've uh, been uh, smudging the uh, smudging the pots and. Uh, uh, keeping us here, trees, you know, apples and trees warm. Now, those 1950s, those were, that was the time. And uh, 1959, we started uh, watering the trees with irrigation methods uh, to increase production. And uh, that caused us to have to get bigger apple boxes uh, to store our harvest. Now, innovations continued. It kind of feels like an apple ride, doesn't it? Like at Epcot Center, the big apple. Uh, uh, maybe that's what we'll go on next. You'll climb in a boy. Yeah, that's a good idea, Mac. Uh, let's climb in an apple. Well, let me get through the history here, because in 1956, uh, this is just a pre-ride. Uh, we were fighting the frost and wind. Uh, yeah, because we're in a valley and cold air can settle down here. So uh, to protect the delicate apple blossoms uh, that become us apples, uh, uh, we were first orchard in the northeast uh, to use wind machines to move the cold air out of the valley so it wouldn't damage us the blossoms. And over the years, this has saved tens of thousands of apples uh, before we had a chance to grow. In the 1960s, we added a controlled atmosphere room so our apples could be stored longer. In 1975, and this is where little Andy's story comes in, uh, we diversified from wholesale uh, to a pick-your-own orchard, which has become known as Apple Hill. Uh, And then a few years later, we converted an old dairy barn into the Apple Hill Country Store and Bake Shop. And this is where families from central New York come uh, to pick apples and create memories. In uh, 1979, we began making our first apple cider. And oh boy, does that Andy, he loves Beacon Skiff apple cider. And I know he said, California, he said, well, he also said, is this how much apple cider was when I was a kid? Because it's expensive. Uh, and yes, there's a big difference between apple cider and apple juice. Uh, in 1979, that's when we started making our apple cider uh, right down at the Apple Hill Country Store. And wholesale, retail, it blew up. Uh, so then we needed to develop a pasturation process to extend the shelf life. But we didn't want to alter that delicious apple cider flavor. So we were the first to flash a pasteurize fresh cider and distribute it wholesale. 
And you can find it at many of your favorite grocery stores and markets. And then we started selling bows, but Scoots doesn't want to talk about that. Uh, those are some of our new ventures. Uh, but we continue to make advancements and improvements. In, 1920, in 2013, we installed 15,000 new trees, renovated our Apple Hill campus uh, uh, to make it an even better experience, and a uh, tasting room and a cafe. So, uh, yeah, so that's a little bit about our history and some of the facts about uh, around here, these parts. Uh, now I want you to watch your hands and your feet as you step into our giant apples. Uh, yeah, we call them apple-mobiles around here. And uh, there's two, two or two adults and one child per apple-mobile, and the, uh, the uh, handbar will lower on its own. Please, so please face your feet and hands in your lap. Uh, and letting it, letting that apple, uh, apple, uh, yeah, you're the apple of our eye. Welcome to, uh, the, uh, McIntosh uh, New York State Apple Tour here at, uh, including, uh, a tour of Bacon Skiff uh, Orchards, but, uh, also a tour of, uh, it just being an apple. And it goes a little bit slow here as we enter the winter, uh, the winter months here, you could see a uh, cold here in central New York. You can see uh, winter, uh, the ground is frozen and the apples, uh, they're not on the trees. There's not much anything on these apple trees as we head through this orchard here. And have a look around here. You'll see uh, yeah, winter has come to central New York and snow and, you know, this is a beta test of our uh, apple ride. So at this point, we would have facts about the winter and the snow or maybe a dramatic visit from a winter queen. Uh, this is one storyline I've been pitching in Big Mac. Uh, she would say, Big Mac, uh, rest for the winter as you wait uh, to become a seedling. Uh, be late dormant and rest uh, as the cambium within you circulates nutrients uh, and you rest for the winter, for, but not forever. Uh, for winter is a time of rest, and, and, and she would do that kind of thing. You know, another thing that they, some of them are pitching is uh, Farmer Joe. And I'd say, well, how about Farmer Jane? What in the heck? Uh, and they say, well, how about Farmer Joe? And I said, no, forget it. Just go with the Apple Queen, please. Uh, uh, or how about Apollina? And they said, Mac, why don't you do it? And I said, not in the winter. I want to be, have a dramatic introduction, please. Uh, so then I called Scoots. I said, let's just go rogue and do this on our own. Uh, so they, they, I don't think they'll be super happy with me when they find out. But whatever, you know, I, I can't help that I love apples uh, and I love being an apple. Uh, so anyway, uh, you'll notice that you'll see some winter birds uh, that'll be based on fact. Uh, you'll see other winter animals uh, doing, you know, the winter things and running around there. Even some not, you say, is that a squirrel? They say, yeah, but that squirrel did a good job. It must have a nice warm burrow somewhere. I don't know what, the, maybe the squirrel has a bunch of uh, Fuji apples or something uh, stored up for the winter. And then I'm pitching, you know, because I said, well, is this going to be just a static ride uh, through the orchard? Uh, 
And then, uh, so anyway, I'm pit believe me, I'm pitching on something that's family friendly, but has a little action. But you know, these companies, they say, what? And I'd say, can't we be a co-op? And they say, why do we need an apple ride? And I'd say, cause of the life of the apple, because now that we're leaving the winter, a dramatic music would begin and we would have effects because we'd have a cold effect and then we would start to warm you up and we would even have some smell vision coming in. And they'd say, you'd say, oh boy, it smells like that a loamy, uh, wet spring smell. And then we would change over the characters uh, where the winter queen, apple queen, she'd say, and then it was spring. And I did say, what about Helen Mirren? And they said, Big Mac, we can only afford you. And I'd say, well, I'm just an apple. I'm not in the union. And I mean, I'll look into it. uh, But I'd say I'd prefer Helen Mirren. And they said, she's out of her price. And I say, so does that mean Dame Judy Dench is also outside of price range? Uh, What about John Malkovich? Uh, and they just, they, they, you know, they said, Mac, please stop coming to these meetings. And I said, well, I'm the only uh, apple that's been granted consciousness, so I'm afraid you're stuck with me. And they will all sigh. They, there's apple barons. So Scooch told me not to talk about that, but there are. And I was thinking about adding them in the right in the background, you know, with a little uh, foil. You know, maybe nobody could see them unless I tell you uh and this is here, I'd like a boy with a newspaper saying, extra, extra, spring comes up right on time. And then we would show, this would be good because this would have the conflict uh, where, again, they say, well, spring has arrived. Uh, and we would show a little bit of budding in the beginnings. And then, we, hello, military-industrial complex, we'll get your due if we can get some cash for this ride. Then we would say, you know, we would talk about the technology part. You know, I'm not anti-technology. This ride is going to have technology. And this, we could say this Apple ride is driven on Apple Drive. Uh, yeah, I don't even know if we could get Tim Cook. I haven't even thought about that till just now. And I'd like the ride to be solar powered, but, you know, uh, we'll see about that. Uh, uh, but then we would talk about the frost and we would have a, a fog effect and then the uh, fan and I also personally think it would be cool if the fan, you know, kicked up the ride to a little bit of higher speed, you know, where you say, whoa. And, you know, actually, like, it would be like uh, spring would be act, like, if winter's act one, spring would be broken into two acts where it would have the overclimbing of the frost. Uh, like, first we'd show the smudge pies. It wouldn't be really smudge pie, but they'd have the smell, like the, when you're in Disney with the dinosaurs and stuff. You say, it smells like burnt something. And then you would go, then we'd have the wind effect, so we'd be saved from the frost. And, oh boy, then another smell of vision. You'd go right into the blossom room. And then we would have something, you know, kind of showing a cross-cultural celebration of apple blossoms. Again, what I'm pitching, that's falling on deaf ears. And we would have a dual unlayering of like, uh, like with, uh, you'd be looking out one side of the ride. And like, as we're showing these different cultural, worldwide cultures uh, with apple usage and, and also the mythology of apples and apple blossoms. We'd also be showing the growth uh, 
in the budding in the mature like the slow into summer and so that we like celebrate the history of apples the human history of apples across the globe uh, also some history so you'd say well uh, here in turkey was when uh, you know the first uh, and then the, and, you know uh, so very nice thing oh, with apple smells I mean, I'm sorry, apple blossom smells and lots of those robo figures. Uh, and they said, we don't have the budget. For, I said, but budget, the, you know, well, this is about the history of apples. This is Mac talking. Uh, and then uh, we would roll into summer. But, but right but right as we get to summer, we need, you know, you need another twist. Uh so, like, as we're, like, going from the mythology, like, we're intertwining the mythology and the history of the progression of apples and uh, the, uh, what do you call it, the uh, actual maturation of the apple tree. Uh, the next thing we would get into would be another thing, like, uh, we'd say the year, like, uh, and I, I, I like having the paper boy again. Saying extra, extra drought, and then we show more military. You know, then we say, "Hey, look at this aqueduct stuff here." That was the down year, and you show people weeping. Not my apples. I got no apples this year. Uh, so you show a couple of the droughts. You show the year with uh, whatever you know, whatever the apple smelt or whatever they called it. And then you may, maybe if we get the rights to a Beach Boys song. You go from the downtime, uh, you say, well, but technology had its way, just like Mother Nature. Then we get some heat lamps in there, some beach, some ocean, uh, families on vacation. And we go into the summer, you know, you see some of the summer stuff there, like, uh, but you see the apples growing. And at the same time, you got to layer this stuff together. So we also talk about... Uh, and maybe you could have the characters doing the exposition, like, hey, Bob, where are you going for work there? Well, you know, because I'm an engineer, I work on, you know, you show, hey, Mary, what do you look super successful? And it maybe even do, I said, how about a high school reunion? And they said, where everybody works in the Apple industry. And I say, exactly. And everybody says, oh, shucks. And your kid's selling these papers for two bits about the Apple uh, but they say, yeah, well, I, you know, I've invented a new method uh, to solarize the apple industry. Did you know it takes uh, 50 leaves for one apple? And then you could have, this is when I would get, also get some of these apple barons in there. You have them like a juggler, mom juggler at the reunion, and we just put his name on his name tag, you know, one of the apple barons. Uh, or you just say, you know, Mr. Bafo, but you, we could get his face to look like one of the big apple barons. Uh, and that was, so that would show summer. Uh, and, you know, then people could wear shorts, then, you know, it's summertime. And the Beach Boys, if we can't get them, you know, just some of that fake surf rock, you know, boom, bada, boom, boom, you know, that kind of stuff. And then maybe one more notion, emotional note. Uh, uh, to end the summer, where you have a kid down about the summer. Uh, and again, we could fold this. Uh, somebody said, what about an emotional journey? And I said, well, maybe the paper boy. I don't know if we're going to have one con 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 continuous emotional journey. 
but I think we we got to use the end of summer to signal the sadness of a child at the end of the summer. And then, you know, the mother says, well, Johnny, how about a little apple for you and Mary Sue? And they say, gosh, darn it, Mom, I didn't even know you had apples. And she says, we don't. Uh, let's climb into our apple mobile. And then you do that Disney thing where the kids and the mom look like they're in the apple mobile with you. We're going to go pick our own apples. And then this is when it gets good. We go into a, like a sky mode which you're going to see here on the right here. And now we're traveling above New York State and looking at the bounty. And then we get another good, uh, you know, New York, now the bounty of New York State. New York State's proud to present. Uh, and we fly over the different ones. We do zoom-ins. We get the smell vision with the apples. Uh, we, like, they're gone. Then we, like, even zoom in. You know, you go up, and then you go back down. You go over these hills. New York State's got great hills and mountains. And you start to do all that. And you also you can fit in a lot of New York State. You know, get we can get money from the state. And you say, well, there's New York State's official bike race or whatever. Great New York State fair. And the kids, they forget about that. The summer's ended because now it's fall. And it's apple picking season. And now everybody's happy. Oh, boy. And we see all these families uh, picking apples. And, you know, as they pick the apples, saying, Geez, Johnny, do you know that the apple uh, has flavonoids, which have not yet been scientifically proven to be good for you, but may be, uh, you know, great, uh, crunch. And maybe in a brother and sister, do you, what's your favorite apple? Blah, blah, blah. No, Macintosh, the greatest apple that ever was. Uh, but then we're not done yet because this is a ride, right? So then you tour around a general, you know, I say, well, if Beacon Skiff will pay for it, somebody else will. That's what I keep saying at the meetings. Uh, and they say, Mac, you're not a, and I say, I'm an independent apple. I'm an independent thinker. Uh, crunch on that. Oh, uh, so Anyway, here's what we do next, and this is the big finale, so I'm going to spoil it for you, but you, you, you'll keep coming, this will keep everybody coming back, uh, is uh, you, you go, okay, we're touring around, and then you go by and you say, hey, Barney, what are you doing? Well, I'm waxing apples, uh, and even the, you know, everybody, the adults could have a joke at that, you know, and you say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm packing apples to ship all the way across the globe, uh, and you see somebody typing on the internet there, you know, and shoot, like, uh, we're virtually sending apples, uh, you know, and you get the, uh, industrial, uh, you know, go, go music going where you think it's the end of the ride where you say, Whoa, I, this is this apple propaganda or just to, if I propagated joy from this ride. And then you get, uh, maybe me, maybe somebody else. They say, well, one last stop. Uh, what about that apple cider? I love an apple cider. And then you say, okay. And then we do a quick turn. Well, maybe, I guess maybe like, I uh, could be like the uh, driver of the apple, apple carts. Uh, maybe we should call them apple carts instead of apple mobiles. Remember Richard Scary, that worm drove an apple car. And so then we, I say, well, one last stop then, and then we go in and it says, warning, apple cider production facility uh, closed for upgrade or something. And then we get the warning lights, 
And I scoot right into the apple cider production. And they say, what are you doing, Mac? And I'd say, I'm going to show everybody how apple cider gets made. And then we, like, get on the conveyor belt. So then the ride starts rocking. And it starts jostling. And it gets, the speed picks up just like a roller. This could be all virtual, by the way, uh, checkbook holders that are listening. I mean, it's only the greatest, we're only, you know, the greatest, uh, second greatest fruit in the United States, uh, according to oranges uh, that don't know anything. No offense, oranges. And then we start jostling, oh boy, and you're saying, what's that? And they say, well, and then you really get to have, get the uh, apple press. You say, oh, look out, Mac, the apple press. And then we do, a, you know, maybe some special effects, even fake apple splashes. You could do that with air. You know, we get to do a couple dives, you know, because the apples get, after it gets pressed, you know, the water's got to go somewhere. Then you go through flash pasteurization. Or cold, we could show them cold pasteurization. And, you know, then we, and then we go right into somebody's mouth, uh, like shoot right down a, like a one last hill. And then the ride lets off in the gift shop with an apple cider, like uh, for adults and kids, regular apple cider and hard apple cider available right when you step off the ride. You get a little shot of regular apple cider or you can buy yourself a whole glass. Uh, and we got apple pie smells and, uh, you know, all the different things. And then that's it. That's the ride. And I'll tell you what, it's been a ride uh, taking all of you here with me on a journey around Appletown. Uh, if you don't mind me saying, it's been my pleasure. And I'll get off my apple box now, but I appreciate you eating apples. And, uh, you know, by the way, if you have billions of dollars to invest in a ride, you know, I mean, why not? Uh, you know, let's start this. Uh, the Apple Card Adventure, we'll call it, with Big Mac. Uh, but uh, I hope you have a restful night and uh, get, get yourself plenty of sleep. And don't ask why I have that country accent. Uh, it's because I drank some Country Time Lemonade. And don't ask why an apple would drink Country Time Lemonade because that just don't make any sense. It could not. As we start to think about the fall and autumn season, you know, you could be listening to this in the summer or the winter as well. I mean, what is the first thing? that is it pumpkin spice that comes to your mind first or cider uh, with those cinnamon sticks? Is it the changing of the seasons, uh, the changing of the clocks? Uh, for some of you, it might be football or, you know, go, you know, going trick or treating, you know, getting costumes, all those kind of things. For me, it's the fall leaves and I live in California now. So I don't get to see those brilliant colors that a lot of you across the country and across the world get to see at the changing of the season. So I want you to kick back and kind of close your eyes. I, I don't think there could be anything more comfortable than uh, the beautiful autumn, beautiful autumn colors. I mean, maybe a turtleneck if you're out looking for them, if you're going to apple picking or on a hayride. Uh, turtlenecks are great for those, I think, or, or like a, don't mock turtlenecks actually, but boom, there's your pun for the day, you know, or, or a scarf and a warm, you know, like a sweater and a hat, uh, 
like this is a tangent I'm going on now. Just thinking about the West best uh, autumn wear. But it really is nice to start to think about uh, the autumn colors. And I don't know what first leaps into your mind. And I don't know if the Crayolas uh, study, like I'm sure they did study fall colors. Like how many Crayola crayons are named after fall colors? You know, here's a football fan one. Is any is there a Crayola crayon called autumn, the Autumn Wind? And what color would it be? Would it be like because it's a, like part of the Raiders uh, football thing? But it, that's actually not a fall leaf color. But it, you know, it just it's, it's a little distracting. Get on my mind here. But to start this picture, like, are you picturing the yellows or the oranges? Or the greens as they slowly start to change, or the deep reds, like, or you know, like when you go into the woods, or you're standing there, you're on a long Sunday drive, looking at fall colors, and you start to see all the different like uh, trees changing at different times and different shades. And like there's almost not even words to describe the different reds. Uh, like uh, you say, well, how many different like uh, like you might think about two buck chuck and uh, I don't know. I guess all the two buck chuck, if you shop at Trader Joe's, that's a wine at Trader Joe's. Like, uh, but I think reds and wine colors are. You know, you have your Chardonnay, your Merlot. Uh, is there a wine called Noir? Maybe Noir, maybe that's a crayon color. Noir Merlot, that's too hard to say. Chardonnay Noir, maybe that's more of a a genre of fiction uh, that people like, people that drink too much, like a bad fiction, probably. Noir Chardonnay, I think that, like, uh, I think that's actually, that's what I call myself when I go dancing. I introduce, I say, yep, I'm noir, noir Chardonnay. And I do, I don't dance ballet. And there's a, like a, I don't know, it's a fig. I think a fig is like a deeper fall color. Uh, Current, uh, that's probably a nice one. Also, lipsticks, uh, like they probably compete. uh, I, I wish I had a lipstick, like a selection of lipstick in front of me. It'd say, well, you're a candy apple, which is, a, is a, I prefer a caramel apple in the fall, a candy apple at a, at a fair, a summer fair, and a caramel apple in the fall. But that's just me. And I'd say, well, you are actually no, another wine color there. We got a, like, a, you're a bit of a sangria in this leaf here blowing. And a rosé, you're a nice rosé on this tree. All these leaves... Uh, I, I would call you the cold kiss, uh, like that would be one lipstick. And then we move into these oranges and browns. And you can't have a leaf without saying, well, you look like a pumpkin pie spice colored leaf. That's a long name for you, but you're a little bit of brown, a little bit yellow, and a little bit orange. Almost a, yeah, almost an amber. Uh, you are sweet potato leaf, I'd say. That's a nice color. Picture that in your mind. Blowing in the wind, a sweet potato. Uh, campfire colors. Uh, there's more than a few, but you, you, that tree that I'm picturing now, 
has those campfire colors. And there's also, like, when you think about melons, uh, there's, a, there's a couple leaves that look like that one over there is kind of green, kind of yellow. I'd call you a, uh, whatever, a honeydew. Is that what you, you say? And then next to you is, like, the skin of a honeydew. And up there on that other tree, it's a cantaloupe. Uh, I don't know if your your grandparents ever took you on a Sunday drive like this. Uh, uh, spiced cider, that's what I'll call you. You do a good job, too. And uh, wet sand, I don't know. Is it, are you? Is that what color? Is it, are you comfortable with me calling you wet sand? How about uh, rusted gold? Yeah, that's a little combo word, but I feel like you believe uh, rusted gold and mustard seed. I probably stole that from a crayon. I don't know if any crayons are called mustard seed. I don't think that would be my name. By the way, my dancing name is Noir Chardonnay. And when I sell, when I work at a, a farm side stand, I go by mustard seed. When I have overalls on, they you can call me Mustard Seed. And, wow, some of you over here are even getting into the pinks, uh, the power. You are a, like a pinky poo. Do you mind if I, like, uh, are we familiar enough, Leaf, to call you pinky poo? And uh, fig jam, can I call you fig jam? What's your jam, fig? Oh, you're a leaf. Uh, good to meet you. And some of you even have a little purple in you. I know your leaves, but would it insult you if I started comparing you to different uh, stone fruits? And like you would be a purple grape. I know, I know that's not a stone fruit, but I was thinking this leaf over here reminds me a little bit of an apricot. And that leaf over there reminds me of an apricot. While you, with those deeper colors, you're like a nectarini. You're not quite the color of a nectarine, but you're nectarini. And this one over here is a plum, and you all the way over here are like a sugar plum. Yeah, we may date. Yeah, that's the kind of thing I would call someone I'm dating, my sugar plum. Sugar plum pie? Oh, boy. Yeah, well, I go by mustard seed when I'm working. Yeah, when I'm dancing. What, did you just say strawberry or chardonnay? Maybe that's what I'll be for Halloween. I, I mean, I usually go by uh, Noir Chardonnay Noir or Noir Chardonnay, but maybe Strawberry Chardonnay. I think if I had my late, like, a, it, like if I was singing Lady, Lady Marmalade, I'd do it as Strawberry Chardonnay. But I can hear the people listening and wondering, like, how much pay, attention I paid in grammar school, um, science class, and I'd say very little because that's why I make a sleep podcast. Uh, that's why I keep you company rambling. I know it's like uh, the end of photosynthesis or something and when it gets cold. But I thought if I were to take my amateur knowledge of nothing and crowdsource it, I'd head over to Wikipedia to see what they say about autumn leaf color. And they call it a phenomenon that affects uh, the green leaves of deciduous trees and shrubs, uh, where they take on shades of red, yellow, purple, orange, black, pink, magenta, blue, and brown. Uh, it's commonly called autumn colors, autumn foliage or foliage. 
uh, fall colors, fall foliage, or foliage, uh, depending on if you're using British or American English or, you know, sleep podcast mumbles. And I never heard, I haven't heard this term before, but I'm glad Wikipedia can put a smile on my face. In some areas of Canada, the U.S., it's called leaf peeping. And in some places, that's, uh, I believe that's outlawed, leaf peeping. Uh, like when I say, hey, do like, uh, I guess that's when I, um, uh, dance as Lady Chardonnay, uh, which I just, Strawberry Chardonnay, you're correct, uh, my, my, my little, uh, little love leaf, uh, well, that's what I call it when I cover myself, and I say, do you want a leaf peep? Uh, it's a whole nother situation, though. Uh, but really, looking at the fall colors, I didn't know it's called leaf peeping. I wouldn't, I mean, I, I don't know if I, I'm no branding expert, but, uh, I don't know if I would do that, but let's get into the science. It talks about chlorophyll and the green, yellow, and orange colors. Uh, a green a green leaf is green because of the chlorophyll, which is uh, inside an organelle called a chloroplast. And these are abundant during the growing season, and they dominate the color. They mask. Uh, I did. I guess I didn't know this maybe as a child, and I forgot it. The other pigments in the leaf. Uh, so the leaf's green because the green dominates. Uh, and chlorophyll is what captures the solar rays and it makes the food for the plants and the energy. It converts to it's just simple sugars. Uh, it does something with water and carbon dioxide. And, you know, there's sort of just different scientific conversions going on. They create the carbohydrates uh, so the plants and the trees can grow. And the chlorophylls break down during the food manufacturer process and are continually being used up uh, uh, during the growing season. But the plant replenishes the chlorophyll, chlorophyll, you know, in the summertime. But as the daylight hours shorten and the temperatures cool... Uh, the veins in the leaf get corked off, uh, and that's at the base of the leaf. And as that develops, the water and mineral intake is reduced to slowly, then more rapidly. So it explains the seasonal, the slow and then fast changing of the leaves. So we're really learning something here. And the chlorophyll starts to decrease. Now, sometimes the veins will stay green and the tissues will have completely changed colors. And uh, let's see, there's just some stuff about LHC2, which is a photosystem uh, protein. And that's pretty complicated. So we don't need to cover that while you rest. Other than I can say to you, 7-hydroxymethylchlorophyll-A which is uh, that kind of destabilizes the complex, complex which uh, a pro, 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 pro protein occurs. And there's proteases, of course. I knew all about the proteases. And, you know, th- I think I, it's easier for me to just refer to it as the circle of life. I don't know if it's exactly what... Uh, but how about those carotenoids, the pigments that contribute to the other colors? Uh, those are, as we learned, they're there all the time. The green just crowds them out. And the carotenoids are uh, yellow and orange colors masked by the greens in the summer. And as that masking effect dwindles, uh, 
the other pigments have been there the whole time. That's what they say. They say, hey, man, I've been rocking this uh, carrot top uh, 24-7. It's just the green's been standing in front of me the whole time. And those carotenoids, uh, along with the other pigments, are in uh, plastids uh, in the leaves of cells. And you know, sometimes there's so much there that they mix with the uh, green to cause a yellow green. But they get prominent in the autumn uh, as that green starts to fade. And aren't we lucky there? And your carotenoids are in there, other things like carrots. Uh, I don't know if they're in redheads, uh, but probably they may be. Uh, this says they're in corn, canaries, and daffodils, as well as egg yolks, rutabagas, buttercups, and bananas. And the yellow and orange leaves can occur in uh, hickories, ash, maple, yellow poplar, aspen, birch, black cherry, sycamore, cottonwood, sassafras. Don't get sassafrasy with me, buddy, in alder. And then how about anthro, antho, cayennes or something? Again, this isn't, uh, yes, English is my first language, but uh, comfort is actually the tongue I speak in, lulling, soothing tones. Antho, cayennes. I think I just sounded it out. That might have been the first time I've used uh, phonics uh, since uh, 1984. But those are the reds, the purples, and, you know, the colors all in between. And that's the name of the pigments. So, antho, antho, cayennes. Uh, and unlike carotenoids, these are not present. Oh, boy, here's some a teachable moment here. Those aren't present throughout the growing season. Learn something every day, even when you're making a podcast. Uh, they develop in the late summer in the sap of the cells of the leaf, and uh, it gives of a you know, bunch of complex interactions uh, inside and outside the plants. Uh, their formation depends on the breakdown of sugars in the presence of bright light as the level of phosphate in the leaf is reduced. And during the summer growing season, phosphate is at a high level. It's a vital role in the breakdown of sugars, you know, the whole chlorophyll thing we were talking about. And as the days of autumn are bright and cool and the nights are chilly but not freezing, that's when the brightest colorations can develop. Uh, and they temporarily color the edges of some very young leaves as they unfold from the buds in early spring. And get this, they are what provide the familiar color to such common fruits as cranberries red apples, blueberries, cherries, strawberries, and plums. And, of course, my sugar plum poo here. Uh, they're present about 10% of uh, tree species in temperate regions, although certain areas, uh, most famously in New England, 70% of the trees produce that pigment. And that's where we get the, that's where the leaf, pe- that's what the leaf peepers know. Uh Maybe that sounds like a subtitle for a book. The thing, things the leaf peepers know. Don't call, you know, you could call me a leaf peeper. I'm comfortable with it. But they can occur in maples, oaks, sourwood. Why are you so sourwood? Sweet gums. Why are your, gum, your gums are super sweet? Uh, dogwoods, tupelos, cherry trees, and persimmons. 
And these are the pigments that combine with the carotenoid colors to go, do deep orange, fiery reds, and bronzes. And what is the function of, I mean, that's something I've asked myself my whole life. What's the function of autumn colors? Uh, they thought it was like because of the high costs involved in their maintenance would outweigh the benefits from photosynthesis during the winter. But this seemed like a simplified uh, theory. And some people said, well, maybe it's insects or low water or wind. Uh, but those anthocyanins uh, that I was talking about, those are actively produced in autumn. And they're not even involved in leap drop. Uh, and some hypotheses on pigment production have proposed uh, that it could be interaction with animals or protection from non-biological factors. Uh, what about to make leaf peeper, peepers happy? You know, so they have something to peep on. Uh, no, that's not one of them. According to the photoprotection theory, the anthrocyanins uh, protect the leaves. I'm getting better at it. You're right. I am. Thanks, uh, my sugar plum poo. Oh, sorry, sugar plum pie poo. Uh, they protect the leaf against the harmful effects of light at low temperatures and... As the leaves are, indeed, as the leaves are about to fall, the soil protection is not of extreme importance. Uh, photo-oxidization, photo-inhibition, and uh, they make the process of reabsorbing nutrients less efficient. And by shielding the leaf, uh, it makes it easier for the tree to reabsorb nutrients, uh, especially nitrogen. There's also the co-evolution theory. Wish this is wholly interesting stuff here. Uh, now, this is just this is based on the Wikipedia article, and like to say I know nothing would be an understatement. But uh, that the colors are warning signals towards insects that use the tree as a host for the winter, especially aphids, because uh, they think the colors might be some sort of uh, defense mechanism. And so the inf insects will avoid red leaves. Uh, uh, trees with red leaves have an advantage because, you know, then they have less, uh, like, people living on them. And this has been shown with apple tree, domestic apple trees uh, that lack red leaves. And they have, you know, because of their domestication and their lack of redness, they get, they get bugged more. And that was a decision they made, you know, when they've tried to do apple cells. Consistent with the red leaf trees, uh, uh, trees with bright leaves uh, tend to select for more specialist uh, fr forest friends living in them than do uh, trees lacking bright leaves. And this whole thing got proposed by WD, WD not Double D, WD Hamilton in 2001 as part of evolutionary signaling theory with uh, biological signals such as red leaves uh, is argued they are costly to produce. Uh, they're usually honest, so signal the true quality. Uh, I don't know, you, you could check it out uh, on your own. And what about allopathy? The brilliant red color maple leaves is uh, produced. How about some maple sugar candy? Uh, that's another thing, I guess, I think of the fall. Maple syrup, maple syrup candy. Or maybe they call it maple sugar candy. Uh, but uh, the brilliant color maple leaves is created by process, processes 
uh, separate from them in the chlorophyll breakdown. When the tree is struggling to cope with the energy demands of the changing and challenging season, uh, maple trees are involved in additional metabolic uh, expenditure to create anthro- anthrocyanins, uh, which create the visual red hues uh, found to aid in interspecific competition by stunting the growth of nearby saplings. Holy allopathy. So if you're still with me here, I found some other great stuff. And if you're thinking about doing some leaf peeping, please just call, you know, maybe, maybe let's rename it. Uh, I don't know, like a leaf watching is pretty boring. And I guess it's more of if you're going to call it leaf peeping, you might as well just call it leaf leering because that's really what you're doing. You're not really peeping. I don't see a lot of people peeping out their way. Well, there's the leaf. So let me peep. Let me put my head back down here. It is much more of a leering process. Maybe not leering though. Maybe like a more neutral word. I guess leaf loving doesn't help us really. Uh, leaf looking is boring. I don't know. Maybe we'll think of it. But I found this uh, great uh, thing over at SmokyMountains.com. Now I haven't been to Smoky Mountains. Uh, but boy, would I love to, uh, because I hear uh, that's where, Do- I think that's where Dollywood is. Uh, but it has this really cool uh, fall foliage prediction map with a little slider where you could see how, uh, uh, where the peak foliage is and where it's near peak and past peak. And it's really cool, like uh, right around mid-September is where the leaves really start to change in, in uh, northern New England and the Rocky Mountains. And the peak hits about uh, middle of October. And that's the 2017 fall foliage map, which uh, Smoky Mountain says is the ultimate visual planning guide to the annual progressive changing of leaves. And they also kind of talk about why do the autumn leaves change their color, probably in a much more scientific uh, and accurate way than I do. Uh, Chlorophyll A, the green hue producer, I I like that. Uh, Nice to meet you, Chlorophyll A. I'm uh, a sweet strawberry uh, noir chardonnay is my stage name. But when I sell polished apples on the roadside, I go buy mustard seed. And it also talks about, oh boy, we got a new one here. We have the beta carotene, which is uh, the most uh, common uh, carotenoid present in most leaves. is strongly absorbing a blue and green light. It reflects yellow and red light from the sun, giving leaves their orange hue. And then there's those anthrocyanins, uh, unlike the carotenoids, uh, uh, anthrocyanin production increases dramatically with the autumn to protect the leaf, prolonging its life on the tree through the autumn season and providing the beautiful red color of the leaf. And then there's flavanol, which I didn't even I haven't heard about yet, uh, a part of the flavonoid family. And uh, like I could insert your old, you know, leaf or uh, food tasting robot jokes there. Always present in leaves, contributes to the yellow color of egg yolks, uh, which I guess I did. Maybe that, like, uh, yeah, I mean, I could have been mixed up earlier. And they even talk about what happens to fallen leaves. Uh, they're fantastic at recycling, you know, Earth is. Uh, 
and that becomes part of our biome. If you don't mind me, you know, making up a word, I don't really know if that's the correct definition. But you know, this decomposition of plants and trees go back into the rich soil, whether through the water cycle or just a slow process. And they create a rich humus or hummus, uh, humus, I think that word is, a nutrient-rich sponge, a continual source of nutrients for water for trees and plants. And that's over at SmokyMountains.com. And I also found this other great article, A State-by-State Guide to Fall Colors uh, by Lauren Himiak. at tripsavvy.com. This has all 50 states, uh, so if you really want to look at this guide, I'm just going to run through it here, but uh, it has even has some of the fall foliage. Hot. If you're a leaf peeper, do put this in your arsenal of uh, tools because you're going to need it. Uh, it has Alabama, gold, red, and orange. Uh, in early October, so put the time to hit that. Alaska, red and orange is what it's known for. Head to Denali National Park. For Arizona, you want your yellow and your reds uh, in mid-October. The Sonoran Desert is a place to see those. Uh, Arkansas, you got gold, orange, red, and purple in the last few days of October and the beginning of November. And here's where I am, California. They're known for their golds and their reds, mid to late October. And if you want to head up to the higher elevations in the Shasta Cascade region and all the way down the foothold, foot, foothills and footholds, you know, make sure you find footholds when you're walking and when you're doing leaf peeping, watch your step, you know. I know you got your eyes on the trees. Yeah, but, you know, take take it one step at a time, please. You do leaf, leaf peeping safety. That's just my PSA here. Now, how about Colorado? Well, it's known for its yellow and its golds, and September's the time to witness the gilded spectacle, according to the Trip Savvy article. Connecticut, yellow, orange, and red mid to late September, all the way through mid-October. Yeah, Delaware. Which one's the, what's the show me state? Does anyone, it's not, I don't think it is Delaware, but, uh, I wish I studied more in school. Kids, if you're still listening, study in school. Uh, then if you make a podcast, it's not to put people to sleep about leaves or states or state capitals. I don't think, I think, I, I don't know if I could get any so far. Then you'll know what the show me state is. Uh, I know, uh, like in New Hampshire, I don't know if it's Liffery. Uh, like uh, live free. That's my favorite state motto. It has something else in there, but it's bedtime, you know. Anyway, back to Del. Sorry, Delaware. I didn't mean to go on a tangent. Uh, red and gold they change quickly in Delaware, so make sure you get there by mid-October. In Florida, the leaves change, and uh, you'll be seeing those in early October, early November, yellow and red. Late season leaf changes. In Georgia, you know, if you're going, if you're doing some leaf, leaf peeping down south, you know, you can save that. Uh, hey, snowbirds, if you're listening, uh, like a mom, dad, you know, become leaf peepers. Uh, then I'll finally have a, a nickname. We could talk about it at Thanksgiving. I say my parents are a bunch of leaf peepers. You could be, you know, that, which sounds worse, snowbird or I guess, yeah, snowbird does sound better. You're right. Uh, 
but in Georgia they have orange, reds, yellows, and golds uh, early to mid-November. Hawaii, you never know what you're going to get in Hawaii. Variety, because of its tropical climates. Uh, but that doesn't mean it's not bad, worth checking out. And also, uh, check while you're there, uh, don't do any peeping at the beach. But go to, the, you know, you can go to the beach. Uh, but do your leaf peeping in the woods, please. Uh, keep your peepers on the leaves, by the way. Another PSA. But also watch your step. Uh, Idaho. Uh, that's that's a state I always associate with potatoes and uh, great people. By the way, if you're from Idaho, one of my my some of my favorite people uh, are from Idaho and other states, and they have red, orange, and gold. And uh, head over there in early October, and by mid October you could head to so- southern Idaho, Illinois, yellow and red, mid October. And, you know, it, as it works its way south, uh, so start north, work south. Uh, I'm no leaf expert, but I, ha- I have looked at a globe before. Indiana, uh, you know, I, I, I don't break into song in these podcasts, but it makes me want to sing Indiana and Gary. Uh, but, uh, like, uh, does anybody go by then? That would be a good name for a P.I., uh, Gary, Indiana, and I've been to I've been to French Lake, uh, Indiana, actually for a wedding. Wonderful people there, and they have gold, orange, and red uh, leaves on their trees, and their peaks uh, mid early to mid October. So don't miss it, uh, Indiana. Uh, don't miss the don't miss the leaves. Uh, Iowa, known for its uh, state fair, and I come from Syracuse, New York. We have the great New York State Fair. But I think the Iowa State Fair is pretty darn famous in its own accord. And, you know, it's also great are the yellow and red uh, shades of leaves there uh, that you can find on the weekend closest to October 18th. Most uh, specific thing, uh, leaf peepers, uh, put that on your calendar, October 10th. And how about Kansas? Uh, that's the, uh, J- is, uh, is that with the Jayhawks state or is that just the name of your basketball team? Uh, either way, I know the names of the colors of the trees are endless, especially in the red and orange shades. And in the north, they peak in mid-October, and in the south, late October. Kentucky, blue bluegrass, uh, but you won't be blue when you're looking at those yellow, orange, and red uh, leaves on the trees. Uh, be sure to be there late October to early November. You may be blue. Or Louisiana, red and brown in early November. And that's what to expect uh, in Louisiana. It's a state that looks like a boot, uh, a nice one at that, or uh, a very nice shoe. Now Maine, holy moly, Maine. And I love, you know, I, you know, I love Stephen, Stephen K. and I love Maine. And I feel like even though I've I've been to Maine, I was there where the uh, tall, I think where the tall ships are or the stuck ships. uh, It was about 25 years ago. So it's been a while. But boy, I've read so many books that take place in Maine. And you won't need to bring a book if you're leaf peeping in Maine, except if you know, use a read to fall asleep like I do. And be sure to look out uh, for the red, purple, and yellow leaves. 
you know, in southern Maine, and if you're going to hit southern Maine and the coast, uh, plan on mid-October, and maybe start in the western mountain peak areas earlier in the month. You know, make a make a, make a couple of weeks of it. Uh, let's get these states some money. Uh, I'm sure you're all good for you know. Buy some crafts. Uh, stop at a a roadside stand. Ask if the person working there, their name is Mustard Seed. It might be me. In Maryland, uh, known for the terrapins, uh, to me. And also uh, the red and yellow uh, colors of autumn in southern and central Maryland. You can plan on late October, early November. And, you know, don't miss it. Uh, in Massachusetts, uh, home of uh, one of, you know, original place of one of my favorite podcasters, uh, Mike Mitchell, uh, the Spoon Man on Doughboys, but also the home of uh, leaf colors like orange, yellow, and green. And uh, you head there the first week of October, you know, before it gets brisk. Uh, and then, you know, plan a visit to the western and southeastern uh, regions for foliage uh, or foliage, as uh, you say when you use some of the silent letters. Uh, Mid-October for the central area of the state where the eastern regions pop uh, at the end of the month. And here we are with Michigan. You know, if you want to know where someone, if someone's from Michigan, hold up your hand because they can point to where they're from on your hand. If you're left-handed, it'll be confusing as it is for me. And they're known for the red and orange colors early October, mid-September. Don't miss it. Minnesota, red and orange. And mid-September to early October. You don't want to miss these things. Uh, you know what you don't want to mim- miss is M I S S I I S S I P P I. Maybe I had extra eyes in there for the leaf peepers uh, that are looking at the yellow and gold colors in late October. Missouri, the old miss, uh, uh, the old miss, don't miss it. Uh, orange, yellow, red, and purple. We get some purples in there. Your heart's going to be beating with joy. Late September. To mid-October, Montana, the state of the greens, and uh, many other great things. Great people in Montana. I know a few people that live there. Haven't made it to Yellowstone, but maybe I will to see the uh, uh, the yellow and gold leaves in uh, uh, late September to early October, all the way to mid-October in the west. Nebraska, maybe I could ask uh, Warren to, to uh, come look at some leaves with me and loan me some cash or just give me some investment advice uh, as we take in the orange. You know, I'd say, Warren, I know, don't, you know, don't buffet me away, but uh, are you a leaf peeper? Uh, and would you peep leaves with me? Uh, how about how, how does early to mid-October sound? Can you pencil me in? And also sign a check, but do that with a pen. And then we'll be off to Nevada. Orange, yellow, gold, and red. Mid to late October. You know, that's a, that's a, that's a bet you're going to win uh, on leaves. New Hampshire, yellow and red leaves there. The best time at the end of September to the beginning of October. And don't forget to head to the White Mountain region in the middle of October. 
Oh, New Hampshire, another great state. I've I've uh, I've driven through quite a few times. And next up, New Jersey, home to my brother and my sister, and yellow and red leaves that are ready for peak viewing in the inland Jersey. In I, guess, I think I said that wrong, but uh, inland New Jersey from mid to late October. And late October to early November is the best uh, time for foliage in the coastal areas. Uh, New Mexico, they have yellow and orange leaves, and at higher elevations, uh, peak viewings in mid-October. And lower elevations, you could go all the way to November. And who could miss it? The, the, the state that has a city so nice, they named it twice. Uh, there's, I know there's concrete jungles where dreams are made of, uh, but your dreams, uh, leaf peepers, are going to be in uh, shades of red, orange, and yellow. And it's a great state for foliage, also the state I was born in. And there's so many places you could hit the Adirondacks, the Catskills, those of you in the city head up to the Poconos, uh, late September through October. Anytime's a good time. North Carolina, red and orange, uh, October all the way to early November, snowbirds. Uh, I'll be telling you, you know, hey, Rick Steves, do you have a uh, foliage tour? Because uh, I may be getting an investment from Warren Buffett after I take him. I mean, maybe, actually, I don't like doing it. Like, maybe I could uh, just get a percentage, Rick, and you could do the work, Uh uh, and I mean, here's a state I love, and and I say this like uh, there's so many parts of the state I love. North Dakota, uh, and I haven't done any leaf peeping there. I've only been there, I guess, in uh, September. Uh, but you know, n- not just n- n- not just Wall Drug, but the Badlands, Custer State Park, uh, Wind Cave, uh, uh, so many other things in North Dakota. But those are just a few that I'd recommend. But maybe one day I'll get to the green, gold, rust, and brown leaves that are present in uh, early to mid-October. Ohio, uh, uh, hi, uh, you're going to be saying hi to the leaves, yellow and orange, uh, second or third week of October. And that's the Buckeye State. Uh, so get the buck over there and check out their leaves already. Oklahoma, you know, that's where the wind blows. Beautiful leaves like uh, gold, crimson, and yellow. And it's best in uh, late October through early November. Is that to show me steak? Because show me some more leaves like the ones in Oregon. Yellow and red. And they even have a fall foliage blog. And uh, peak, peak foliage late October. Uh, Pennsylvania, another state I'm very familiar with. My brother uh, lives in Philly. Uh, just in case you know this, I know this isn't a dating profile, but uh, you know, just in case there's a leaf peeper out there that uh, that uh, I, don't, I don't know, I'm uh, rambling here uh, because I get so inspired when I see those red, orange, and yellow leaves in early October, all the way to mid-October. And if you head south, you could wait till the last two weeks of October. That's the Keystone State, I believe. I've seen you because I see a lot of uh, Pennsylvania license plates. Uh, and Rhode Island, they've got the red and orange. Uh, and you could head there in mid to late October, but don't wait. Uh, 
because Rhode Island's a great state. Uh, you know, another great state is, is South Carolina. And there's no better time than late October to early November to view the stunning foliage, uh, yellow and orange in uh, South Carolina, South Dakota. I may have, okay, here's a, here's a little admission. I may have, I don't think I mixed up, uh, I did, unfortunately, I guess I, this will be my first apology this episode. I did mix up South and North Dakota, I believe. So my apologies to everyone from South Dakota and North Dakota. You're both great states. Uh, so great. I, uh, I, I uh, may have confused you two uh, because I'm so overwhelmed with your beauty. And you know what beauty I'd like to see is the crimson, gold, orange, and burgundy in mid-October uh, when you're at your peak. Um uh, two great states that go great together, North and South Dakota. Uh, by the way, if you're going to make a trip, hit them both uh, because they're both full of great people. Uh, most forgiving people in the U.S. Uh, uh, for podcasts or mistakes. And then Tennessee, it's uh, the state whose uh, I think I associate with uh, uh, the Mannings. Uh, uh, I don't know which one, Peyton or Eli. And because I've seen them, uh, you know, tweeting about how much they love the red and yellow leaves, uh, that peak in uh, the mountain regions in October all the way to November. And, you know, I hate to pander, but you know what I learned from Pee Wee Herman one time? The leaves at night and at day are big and bright. Uh, deep in the heart of Texas, they're red and yellow. And you can find them in the entire month of October's prime. And they peak at late October. Uh, so don't miss it. And, you know, don't miss your chance to see the yellow and red uh, uh, leaves in Utah, along with some of their spectacular state parks there. And it gets underway early September all the way to November, you know, depending on elevation, north and south. Uh, do yourself a favor and drive around Utah looking at leaves. And then there's Vermont, home of fish, but also home of in Ben and Jerry's, of course, uh, and other things like uh, like orange, purple, and red leaves. Uh, Bernie, yeah, of course, Like some, I guess part of my brain is a big fan of the state of Vermont. Why wouldn't I be? Because uh, you could go all the way from the last week of September all the way to mid-October. And you could check out their foliage reports right on their state's website. Uh, and don't miss it. And, you know, do do the Ben & Jerry's Factory Tour if they still have it. Uh, ice cream and leaves, they go great together separately. Not together, actually. Uh, ice cream and leaves. Uh, leave your leaves off the ice cream. And keep your eyes on leaves, except when you're walking. Uh, that's a message from Sleep With Me podcast. And here's another message. Uh, put the government business aside and head over to Virginia where you can see yellow, orange, uh, purple, and red leaves uh, all the way mid to October to November. And uh, Shenandoah National Park is uh, via the Blue Ridge Parkway is a way to do it. And as we, you know, as our journey winds to a close, what better state to check out than Washington? 
Uh, you really can't go wrong with the yellows and reds there. They begin in mid-September and peak in mid-October. Uh, but you also, if you feel like a mountaineer, you might be in West Virginia. And you might be checking out the orange, yellow, and reds. Uh, the peak in late September to late October. Uh, West Virginia. Uh, you know, that's one of the places in the Smoky I think the Smoky Mountains do go there. And that's where I sing, uh, you know, Take Me Home Country Road. But another place I'd like to take me home is Wisconsin with its orange and yellow leaves. Uh, that peak in uh, mid-October. You can't miss it. Uh, and by the way, when you're in Wisconsin, have some cheese. Uh, you know, like, uh, you can't, the, the great cheese, great people, Wisconsin, and a lot of other positive qualities. Uh, including great leaves. Uh, but why ask why? Head to why, you know, and why pander to every state, but why not? Uh, head to Wyoming, finally. You know, we don't have any states that I know of that start with a Z. Or do we have any states that start, I guess not with a Y, but why Wyoming starts with a W, then a Y. And when you see those leaves, you're not going to you're going to say, wow, well, wow, Wyoming with the yellows and the reds uh, that peak all the way in early to mid-October. And if you want to find out more about that, you could go to tripsavvy.com and check out this article. And, you know, check out the fall colors uh, if you're still with me there. Just picture a winding road. Uh, peaks and valleys, green holiday trees. Those are those are not deciduous trees. Those are evergreen trees. But spotted between them are yellows and reds, ruby, ruby reds. Uh, all you know the colors of the gummies. Just like a gummy family, you've got those juicy orangey colors. The warm campfire, red, orange, uh, burn umber. Yes, yes, Crayola, representative from the Crayola Corporation wanted me to mention burn umber. It's still a crayon color, at least in my mind, and it's a great color for a leaf. Uh, and also the umbers, uh, they want to know that they still support the North, uh, even though it doesn't have anything to do with anything. I'm just reading in the scroll that came in from a raven. From the Crayola Corporation, but I guess uh, the Umbers are working there. So if you're the whether you're the king in the North, or you know the queen of the Andals and the First Men, or you're just a, you know regular Joe like me, or a Jane, or a Jimmy, or a Jan, or your name doesn't start with J, it starts with Y O U U. Whomever you are. Uh, those leaf colors, uh, they're lovely. So many different colors, so much diversity, uh, to soak in so much beauty, so much richness, uh, and we didn't even cover, cover the different shapes of leaves and can, you know, the different uh, ways they move, the sounds they make, uh, how it feels to jump in a bed of beautiful, colorful leaves uh, with a belly full of uh, caramel, what is that called, a caramel-covered thing. 
apple, uh, some apple cider, some pumpkin pie spice, uh, all those things, all those leaves, uh, so restful, even as we turn out the nightlight and you just see the leaves in your mind uh, falling slowly from the trees, swaying slowly out your window as you drive by, uh, accumulating in a pile, waiting for a young person to run and jump in, or skittering and scraping down the street and making that reassuring, uh, comforting sound that the season has changed, that you're in the warm embrace of autumn, that you're there safe and comfortable in your bed, a nice warm place, uh, warmed by the colors of the leaves, warmed by the smile on your face, uh, and maybe you see, maybe you're thinking to yourself, well, maybe next year I'll do that Rick Steves Leaf Peepers tour. Uh, though I hear that's also a comedy tour. I don't know who he's going to have on that circuit. Uh, the Leaf Peepers comedy tour. And, uh, but, uh, you, you know, it's going to hit every state and it's going to be good. And I want to thank you for listening to this uh, exclusive uh, Sleep With Me Autumn episode presented by Spoke. Uh, and if you want to hear more content, uh, exclusive content uh, here on Spoke uh, from other feral shows, uh, be sure to check out hearspoke.com slash feralaudio. Or you got to check out uh, some of Spoke's awesome playlists. Uh, like tomorrow, if you're going to be looking for the opposite of Sleep With Me, uh, try the Spoke original show called AM with Amber. It's a quick rundown of the news of the day. And there's also this great playlist I'm enjoying, Line Break, which is all about poetry. So relaxing. And as I've been talking about, if you're having a rough day, check out the Best Medicine playlist. It'll guarantee to put you in a good mood. And I know a lot of you listeners love history. So check out the Looking Back playlist made for all those history buffs out there, uh, featuring stories that bring history to life. And uh, you'll pro- they probably, you know, a history buff uh, probably knows more about chlorophyll than I do. There was just an imaginary history buff in my head that said, uh, you have too much chlorophyll between your ears. And I said, well, I'm just here to uh, help everyone, leaf peepers and leaf lovers uh, and just leaf appreciators uh, and you, anyone sleepless. Uh, you know, maybe, you just, uh, maybe you're just a leaf, uh, leaf adjacent. Uh, I'm here to help you fall asleep, and I'm glad you joined me. Thanks again for listening to this exclusive episode, and I hope you have fun exploring more great podcasts here on Spoke. Uh, Good night.